Everyone say, love has a name. Do you know what that name is? Oh, come on now. Do you know what that name is? Love has a name, and his name is Jesus. And we're going to be talking about love. We're coming into the month of February, and how many of you guys have already started to plan out your wife's date for Valentine's Day? That's your cue right there, gentlemen. All right, uh, and so uh, if you're smart, you'll wait till a few days later, and then all the restaurants will be empty, all right? All right, I just gave away my, my what I do. All right, anyways, um, but I want to today talk to you on this, this subject, and or the series is Love Has, has a Name, but I, I want to talk to you um, today on Love Starts with a Name. Everyone say, Love Starts with a Name. Um. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Got a little bit of scripture going to be reading today, and I'll start by reading that today. And if you don't have it, it will be up on the screen. Um, this is a very, uh, very great, uh, great passage. Many of you have learned this story back in Sunday school growing up or back in kids' church. And this is about a man... Now, there's, there's multiple ways. I, I grew up in um, my formidable years, my elementary years. I grew up in Missouri in, the, in kind of the sticks of Missouri, the Ozarks. I'm an old Ozark boy. Matter of fact, I'm more comfortable with my shoes off than I am with my shoes on. And, um, and so when I grew up there, we always called uh, this character in this story Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Then when I moved to California, they have a little different dialect out there. How many know that California is a little bit weird? It's okay. It's okay if you agree with that. And, uh, and they actually called him Zacchaeus. And I thought, well, well, isn't that just fancy? But if you hear me say his name today, I'm going to call it the old Ozark way, Zacchaeus, okay? And uh, there's multiple ways you can actually pronounce that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It says this. I'm going to read this. He entered Jericho and was passing through, talking about Jesus. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking uh, to see who Jesus was. Boy, how many knows that he was already on the right track right there. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Uh, for he was about to pass that way, verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Everyone say joyfully. And, he, and when they saw it, they all grumbled, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Strong words. Look at this, verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, uh, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also uh, since he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, I love this. This is Jesus' mission statement right here. Will you read it with me? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
Amen. Say it with me again. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Powerful right there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word today. God, I pray, Lord, that it would just penetrate our hearts, Lord, that it would penetrate our minds today. God, I ask, Lord, that you would, you've, you've already done a great work in our hearts today, Lord. You've softened the place of our hearts. God, I pray, Lord, that your word goes forth in might and power. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So this one time I was working at a, a conference, and this conference was being held at a very large church, and I was working uh, the back part of the stage, and, and I was, there was things, I was helping people come on and go, and we were renting this, this big church, this church that, uh, that runs like 3,000 or so, and we, we had rented it, and we were using their facilities. Well, in the process of using their facilities, their staff was coming in, and they had office hours, and they were working, and their off, they had some offices back behind their stage, and one of the guys came in, and he was there to kind of help and guide us if we needed any help. And he told me his name, and I thought I knew his name. Well, during the process of the day, ten, like 10 to 12 times, I ran into this guy. I would knock on his office door, and I'd open the door and say, hey, do you have this? Or can you, can you point me to this? Or, you know, and he, so he would, and I called him by the name that I thought he was. Well, about the 12th time, I go in there, and I'm calling him this name. I don't even remember what the name I called him. But I, I called him this name, and then that's when it dawned on me. And one of my friends was there, and they looked at me, and they're like, Skiles, that guy's name is not that. It is Sean. And I was like, oh, well, I feel really stupid right now. Have you ever called someone by the wrong name for a long period of time? All right, a few of you are with me. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this. Uh, I, I did this the other day. Well, it wasn't too long ago. I was talking to the Kastners and, and their, their daughter, Bella. And, and for whatever reason in my mind, I thought her name was Abby. And I'm sitting there just talking away to Abby. And Dan was so gracious that he kept saying, well, Bella. And then I was like, oh, if I forget your name, just, just know it is, it is a common occurrence. Matter of fact, I worked in the oil fields, and I worked with the guy. And he would come in, and they did this huge drilling program. And he would come in. He was a, an older guy from Oklahoma. But one of the things I loved about this guy, he would meet someone, and he would always remember their name. No matter how high they were or how low they were on the totem pole, he would shake their hand. He would remember their name. And one day I was like, how do you do that? And he said, it's real easy. He said, what I do, he said, when I talk to someone and they tell me their name, he said, what I learned a long time ago is nine times out of ten, I would always think about what I'm going to say next rather than listen to their name. So I thought, well, guess what? I've tried to do that in my life, and sometimes I, I don't always do so well. So, and, and it happens. And so if I forget your name, please give me grace. It's not because I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to remember it or anything like that. It's just sometimes, and I always say this to people, you got to make an impact on me. If you punch me in the face, I will remember your name. Don't punch me in the face. Please don't punch me in the face. I promise I'm, I'm, I'm going to do better. But learning a name is often the first step to beginning a new friendship, right? How many friends do you have that you don't know their names? Oh, that's interesting, right? All right. And, and so it is, the, it is the entry point into someone's life, the doorway, if you will, 
And from that initial point, a relationship can grow, right? And, and you see, you can see there how love starts with a name. I remember when I met Tristan for the first time, and I, I met her, and she was 15, and I was 15. And we met in church, and listen to me, people, young people, if you want to marry someone, you ought to marry someone from church. They're not always perfect, but listen, you ought to marry someone from church. Listen. And so, but anyway, so I met my wife, and the first time that I met her, I remember I, I'm very outgoing. She's very introverted, and I'm like, hello, I am T.J. Skiles. And I shake her hand, and she thought, oh, this guy is really weird from Missouri. That was her exact statement in her mind. She didn't tell me that till later. She said, I thought you were so weird because you were so nice. And, but anyways, uh, uh, there's, there's something powerful about knowing and remembering a person's name. Don't you feel good when someone remembers your name? Okay, don't throw songbooks at me and shoes at me, okay? Because sometimes I just forget. But when someone knows your name, it makes you feel loved. You feel noticed and you feel seen, right? When someone knows and remembers your name, it gives you worth. It gives you value because here's why. A name represents a person's story. A name, who, who they are, their past, their good, their bad, their successes, their mess-ups, their background, their upbringing, their occupation, who their parents are, a person's name and their story, it all matters. Amen? And so the best news is, can I tell you this, that Jesus knows your name. Pastor may forget your name sometimes, but Jesus knows your name. So I want to look at this story. I've got just this, a few key points that I want to pull out of the story. I believe there's some powerful truth in this story. And this is Jesus knows our name. So first off, let's look at this. First off, what do we know about Zacchaeus from this story? Number one, he was short. That's what it says. Number two, he was a tax collector, and not just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. How many love the tax collectors, right? All right, no one raised their hand. Well, we'll pray for them, right? All right, but here's the first thing. He was short. He, he was short. He was, there's an old song that says he, uh, he was a wee little man, right? It's not that they're picking on him. It's just, it's just his stature. That's what he was. Uh, uh, the, the old song says Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, right? He climbed up in the sycamore. Anybody don't know this song? Oh, okay. Only on this old Ozark, Missouri guy right here, okay? And, and so he was a wee little man. That means he was short in stature, if you want to be politically correct. He was so short he could tie his shoes without bending over. He was so short that when you hugged him, it made you appreciate the small things. I'm joking. I'm joking, all right? Calm down. I'm not picking on short people. Promise you. I, I served on staff at a church in Texas, and our pastor was about 6'4", and our, and, our, and our associate pastor was about 6'2", and both their wives were about 6'1", and then the pastor's son was about 6'5", and his grandson was 6'7", and then here's the little youth pastor over here just trying to get six foot. But like a little kid with all them people. We know he was short, and here's the deal. He, his short stature, he's trying to see Jesus, and because of his short stature and because of the crowd, he can't see, and he's doing this. 
I want to see Jesus. Because of his stature. And so he, he does something. And here's the deal. This is what I've come to know about all of us. Spiritually speaking, not physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, we are all short. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, so there's Zacchaeus. He was physically short in stature, but he was also spiritually short. And we are all short when it comes to God's glory. How many would be honest, you don't have to raise your hand, would say, hey, I've lied, I've cheated, I've hated, I've dishonored, I've made idols of things that, and, 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 and said things that make us spiritually short or bankrupt. And I, there isn't a person in here who could say, hey, I've never done any of those things. You know why? Because the scripture tells me that, that everyone in here has done those things. So, so here's Zacchaeus. He's physically short, but he's also spiritually short as well. Here's the second thing that we know about him. He was the chief tax collector. And what you have to understand about tax collectors in those times is they were not well liked. Not much has changed. Right? Not much has really changed, really. And, and they, were, they were crooked by nature. They had to get so much tax. So he worked for the Roman uh, government, and, and he had to get so much tax for the Roman government. But anything above what he was supposed to get, guess what? He got to keep as a commission. He was crooked. He lied. He was a scoundrel, right? How many have ever felt like that someone took advantage of you? How many have ever felt like Uncle Sam took advantage of you? Right, no one's like, I don't want to answer that right now, right? Um, but everyone, uh, and, and, and so everyone knew who Zacchaeus was. He, he was. he was just somebody that you didn't want to be your friend. It's amazing to me. Everyone heard his name and said, oh, Zacchaeus. Shook their head. Let me ask you this. Is there someone in your life that you hear their name that maybe you sigh and shake your head to? Maybe a neighbor. Maybe a wayward son or a daughter. Or maybe maybe just somebody and you're just like, man, what a menace. What a real pain. And, and here's the thing. Zacchaeus was, was undeserving. He was not worthy. He was a cheat. He was a liar. And he was looking out for numero uno, number one. I am worried about Zacchaeus and me alone. And he had, had, had been given this, this uh, uh, um, how people knew him there. And so he was not just a tax collector, but he was the boss of tax collectors. His only friends were probably those that were tax collectors. Because they were all in the same scheme and they're all cheating. And he was loathed entirely, as the Grinch would say, right? Loathed entirely is what he says, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And he was, he was loathed, and, and, and they knew him by his deeds. No one really cared about his name. Oh, some of you are going, oh, I see where you're going with this, Pastor. The fact that he had wronged them, the fact that they had hurt him, they, they saw him as that person and not as Zacchaeus. Knew him by his deeds. No one cared about his name. And how often do we, do we uh, sometimes intentionally but, or sometimes unintentionally just ignore people, right? Sometimes we do it intentionally. Sometimes we do it unintentionally, right? We don't, we don't mean to. Uh, I remember I, I, was, I was thinking about this. There was a girl. 
me and my best friend, we moved out at the same time, and we got an apartment together. And I told a great story about my friend on Wednesday night. A few, if you can go back and look at the, listen to the podcast about how he went and screamed at some uh, elementary kids. Okay, but look. We lived in an apartment together, and in this apartment, we had nothing. Someone gave us an old uh, raggedy sectional that was too big for our apartment, but we, we crammed that thing in there. It was ugly, but it was comfy, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Someone gave it to us. We had an old raggedy table, chairs that didn't match, plates that didn't match. We were, we were the cutting edge of designers. And we lived in this apartment, and... And, um, you know, coming and going, he, he worked nights. He was a pizza delivery guy, and I worked days. I worked in the oil fields. And, and so we, we crossed each other, you know, periodically, but not, not very often. And, and there was this girl that lived next door to, her, to us, and she lived by herself. She was going to school. There was a college in the, little, in the town that we lived in. She was going to school. And, you know, just passing and meeting her. Well, one day, she was kind. She knew that we didn't have very much stuff. She said, hey, I've got this lamp, and you guys can have it if you want. She said, you can have it if you want. I promise you, she said that. And I remember, I was like, okay. And I thought, well, it can't hurt. Maybe we don't have any other stuff, so we'll just go ahead and just add this to our collection of stuff. I wish you could see a picture of what our house looked like. And anyways, so I get this lamp, and she says, just, just come get it. And I, we go and get this lamp. I did not know what I was getting into. This lamp was as tall as this pulpit. It was this big old pottery thing, and it had a lampshade on it. It was massive. It was big. And I thought, man, what are we going to do with this? We're going to cram it into our apartment. We're going to use it. So we get it. We take it, and we're using it. And, and, and I'm leaving one day, and she's outside, and she goes, how's that lamp working out for you? Oh, it's great. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving it to us. She goes, oh, I didn't give that to you. She said, I, I just gave it to you to use. You, could, you can borrow it. And I was like, oh, okay, not a big deal. Well, here's the deal. The reason I tell you all this story is because this. I don't know that girl's name. I still don't know that girl's name. Matter of fact, me and my friend, we didn't call her by her name. We called her Borrow My Lamp Girl. Like the neighbor Borrow My Lamp Girl over there. She's burning food. Can you smell it? You know, and so we referred to her. We didn't call her by her name. We called her by her deed. Interesting, right? Here's what Zacchaeus was. He was an outcast, and no one cared about him except Jesus. Verse 5 says this, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, everyone say his name, Zacchaeus. He didn't call him chief tax collector, he didn't call him liar, he didn't call him crook, he called him by his name. So why did Jesus call his name? There was a, there was a multitude around him, and he singles out the shortest, the sneakiest, and the most unworthy, probably person in that group, probably the most unliked person, and there's Jesus, like, Zacchaeus, I see you up there. And Zacchaeus, look, look at this, he was a government worker, look at this, I love this, he was a government worker acting like a child. I'll give you an example. Uh, when was the last time that, that uh, Governor Holcomb climbed up a tree? When was the last time any of our state senators, you saw them climb a tree? When was the last time you saw the President of the United States go out and just start climbing a tree? Right? 
So Zacchaeus is a government worker, and not only can he, he wants to see Jesus, and he's so involved in seeing Jesus that he's willing to do what a kid does, run ahead, go to a tree, climb a tree, get up in the tree, and look to see if Jesus is going to pass his way. It's amazing. I think we can learn something from this because the chapter before this in Luke chapter 18, verse 17, it says, Jesus says this. He says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. He put his government entity, his job to the side. It's like, I've got to do what i got to do because I need to see Jesus. I need to know who he is. He's running ahead of the crowd. He's climbing a tree. John Calvin would say, say this, that the foundation of faith is childlike simplicity. If you're going to come to Jesus, you're going to have to come with a childlike faith. What, what's interesting about childlike faith? My kids don't worry about where their next meal is. That's mom and dad's job to worry about. And that's the way we should be with the Lord. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to depend on you. That is childlike faith. So he finds himself, his faith led him to go up into a tree. And Jesus said, hey, I see you up there, Zacchaeus. I see you. I see what you did there. And he calls him by name. Look at this. And he says, come down from that tree. And Zacchaeus, this is amazing to me. The name Zacchaeus in Hebrew means this. It means to, uh, to, to the Lord recalled. The Lord recalled, or in Aramaic and, 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 and many Hebrew renderings, it means this, pure. The name Zacchaeus means pure. Jesus calls him by his name, not by his deeds. And when Jesus looks at your heart today, he calls you by your name, not by your past, not by the deeds that you've done. But he says, hey, hey, Tristan, I see you. And he says, hey, Dan, I see you. I know you. I see you up there with that childlike faith. See, the world, they saw huh, they saw a cheater. They saw a dishonest crook, a liar. And maybe you say, hey, that feels like me. But this is what Jesus sees when he calls your name. I see an overcomer. I see a faithful servant. I see an honest son and daughter. Jesus called him by name, and love starts with the name. Everyone say, love starts with the name. So what does Jesus do next? And this is what he does next. He, I love this. This is what Jesus does. He makes himself at home. Oh, man, Jesus is so cool. Look at this. In verse 5, he says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. He is the only friend that goes and invites himself over to someone's house. How many have those friends? I had a friend like that growing up. It's like, hey, I'm coming over to your house today. Oh, okay, didn't know that. I guess, yes, you are, right? And, and Jesus, he says this, Zacchaeus, come down here because guess what? I'm coming to your house today. Ready or not, here I come. Scripture says in verse 6, so he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And in the physical, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and, and there he fed him. And I believe they shared bread. And I believe that they broke bread together. And there's something important about breaking bread with one another. Sometimes we take that for granted. When we're with someone, when we're breaking bread with people, with our family, listen, mom and dad, you ought to eat 
dinner with your family because there's something that happens. There's a relational thing that happens when you eat together. Sometimes there's fighting because someone's chewing too loud. And sometimes there's fighting because someone took the last pork chop or whatever the case. But listen, there's something that happens when we're together. And Jesus is breaking bread with who the, the multitude called a sinner. And what I love about Jesus is this. He told Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your world. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to sit in your house. And, and, and there's fellowship between the master Jesus and the chief tax collector. And the Lord, listen to me, the Lord wants a relationship with you today. I love this. He, he called you by name. John 15, 16 says, he chose you. Matter of fact, it says, you didn't choose him. He chose you. Jesus that day, he chose Zacchaeus. He called him by name. And he didn't call you by your sins, but he called you by your name. I, he says, I see purity. I see love. I see joy. And then he goes a step further and says, hey, I want to come into your world. I want to come into your world, Zacchaeus. I want to get down to where you are. I want to eat at your table. I want to have a discussion with you. I want a relationship with you. I want to talk to you, and I want to dine with you. I'm reminded of a scripture in Revelation 3.20. It says, behold, this is Jesus talking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, eat with him, and he with me. Just like this verse, Zac Zacchaeus literally is dining with Jesus. Probably they had bread and they probably had hummus. I don't know. And, and I, that just goes to show you that the Lord doesn't hate gluten. He loves carbs because he said he is the bread of life. But he also said man doesn't live by bread alone. So I don't know if Jesus is keto or not. I'm not sure. But they're there and they are together and there's relationship. And there's something powerful when we sit at a table with people, we begin to speak into their lives. and We begin to know them. See, everyone had pretty much written off Zacchaeus. You're, you're just a crook. You're a All the crowd, they could have cared less. And Jesus said, I see the, the one missing from the 99. I see you, Zacchaeus. I see your faith. I see that you had enough faith. And it, it might have been tough for you, but I see that you ran ahead and you climbed up a tree and that you were looking to know me. It's amazing to me. I'm reminded that uh, I love that, that the fact that Jesus, he comes and he just makes himself at home as, at Zacchaeus' house. It reminds me of when I go to my parents. When I go to my parents, guess what? I go back into teenage mode because guess what? My mom wants to cook for me. Woo! She's like, what can I make you, baby? You know, because I don't see her very often. And she, so she'll make me something. And I just live like I did it as a teenager. I grab the cereal, and I just pour half of the cereal thing. You, you know, some of you know what I'm talking about. My kids do that to me, right? And, and when I go, I just make myself at home. How many of you, when you go home, you just make yourself at home with your, with your family? Like, I, I'm okay with this. Mom don't care. She loves me. She'll clean up after me. For a little bit, and then she'll slap me after a good while, right? But can I tell you this? Jesus, 
He wants to be at home with you. Ephesians 3, 14 through 17 says he wants to be at home in your heart. It's where he wants to be. And just like Zacchaeus, he went physically, but the Lord wants to spiritually be at home. He's calling your name today. Not only that, he's saying, hey, come down. Take me to your house. Take me to your heart. I want to dwell there. I want to be there. And see, here's the thing. We fill our hearts with earthly things, with money, with wealth, with fame, with jobs, houses. And we, and we so often have made little room for Jesus to operate. Keep adding lamps from our neighbor's house and things, and we're just throwing stuff that doesn't really matter. And God's like, hey, is there room for me here? Once Zacchaeus had his moment with Jesus in his house, listen, it changed him. It says that he hurried off the tree and received him joyfully, then commune with Jesus at his home. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Jesus wants to commune with you and I daily. The scripture says he is the daily bread for you and me. Jesus is like, hey, I'm here. Let's talk. I'm here at the table. Let's talk. Hey, TJ, I'm here, I'm here at your table. I'm here dwelling. Can I just have 15 minutes of your time? I know you're busy. I know you got to make 100 phone calls. I know you got to do this and that and all these different things. Can I have 15 minutes alone with you? And I believe today, I believe that's what the Lord was doing during worship. He just said, hey, can I, hey, Quarterstone, can I have a moment with you guys? Will you open your hearts? Will you open your lives to me? I want to help you figure out this journey of life. I want to I lead you down paths of righteousness and mercy. I just want to talk to you. Will you let me pour into you? And after allowing Jesus in his, in his home, Zacchaeus' life was changed. Here's the last point right here. His love changes everything. Everyone say, his love changes everything. Say it again. His love changes everything. Verse 6 says, he received the Lord Joyfully. Joyfully. And, and, and uh, we'll come back to verse 7 in a minute. But after he received the Lord joy, joyfully, look what happens. At verse 8, look at this. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Look at this. This, this, this blows my mind. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I Restore it fourfold. This is, this is, there's something here. This is interesting. We see a change in Zacchaeus. Mr. Tax Collector, I'm going to get my grimy hands on, on your money. Is all of a sudden changing his tone saying, hey, if I've wronged someone, I'm going to make it right. There's a change. There's a change. There's a change in Zacchaeus. See, see, oftentimes we'll come to the altar and we'll ask God to help us and we'll repent, but we don't get up and there's not a change. But in Zacchaeus' life, a moment with Jesus, once he came down, he met with Jesus, God let Jesus come into his house, there was an automatic change in his life. This is amazing because... He feels compelled to sell his possessions and give to the poor. He says Zacchaeus was rich. He had money. I'm going to sell my possessions. I'm going to sell, borrow my lamps. Lamp. 
I'm going to sell this, and I'm going to give to the poor, and I'm going to repay people that I've wronged four times. And repaying people four times is super interesting because in the Mosaic law, it was only required to give people 20% of whatever you had taken from them. So if you had taken $100 from them, then you owed them $120 to make it right. But look at this. The only time four times was supposed to be given was when all was lost. What does that mean? What does that mean, Pastor? Well, if I was someone and I stole an animal from someone and I killed that animal, that means that I had to return that animal four times before my debt was repaid because I had had taken everything from that person. Here's Zacchaeus who had taken money from people, but he felt the need to say, Lord, I'm going to repay that four times over because I've wronged people. I've messed up. I've made some mistakes. But look at this. Does that act save him? No, absolutely not. Ephesians 2.8, we talked about this, and Christina brought this out. It is, for by grace have you been saved through faith, and not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Your works do not save you. Your works do not save you. No matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, it will not save you. It is by the grace of God that you are saved. It's what Scripture teaches us. So why, why is Zacchaeus doing works? And I'll tell you why he's doing works, because he's had a transformation in his life. The acts of giving all this money back was not what saved him. What saved him was his moment with Jesus Christ. And then what follows is the works of salvation after that. God, I am going to fix what I have wrong. James says this, faith without works is dead. Say, oh, wait, wait. Paul said, you know, we're saved by grace, right? It's not anything that we could do. Absolutely right. James said, faith without works is dead. They are both absolutely right. They are not arguing with each other. It's not faith or works. Faith and works. It's faith that works. And there is a moment where Zacchaeus has had a moment with the king. And he gets up and he's like, i got to do something. What can I do? I have resources. How can I give back? How can I bless? I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to pay back people that I've wronged. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to go above and beyond. And that's what happens when grace happens to us. Works begin to follow us because we're walking this thing out day by day. We begin to love on people. Whew. Jesus changed him, and he is literally just putting his faith into action. Look at this, verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. That tells us that Zacchaeus was, was of Jewish descent. God saved him because of Abraham. Remember, Abraham, man, he, he believed, right? He believed in the Lord. He had faith. He had faith. Romans tells us that he had faith. And so that's what saved him. But also, once he had faith in the Lord, he also followed the Lord's leading and took his son Isaac up on Mount Hermon. Faith that works. Look at this. Literally, Jesus changes everything. How many can say Jesus has changed your life? 
He turns my mourning into dancing. He turns my frown upside down. My parents did kids ministry for years, and they went around the world and doing camps. And one of the songs they sang was, Jesus takes a frown and turns it upside down. That's what he does. Take my mourning, you turn it to dancing. Turn my sad song into praise. My righteousness is his filthy rags, is what scripture says. And But the Lord turns them into garments that are white as snow. <laughs> Come on. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Here is Jesus' mission for coming to earth right here. And it's a simple story, and it's so easy to overlook. In this little story with a short tax collector, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And let me tell you something. That is our mission as, as believers in Christ. That's not just Jesus' mission. That is our mission. We are going to get with it. We, we are co-missioning. We are going and we are letting the world that Jesus changes everything. Can I tell you today, you're here. Jesus is calling you by name. I don't know about you, that blows my mind. That I, the 8 billion people in this world and probably billions more that have lived before us, Jesus knows your name. And he calls you by your name. He doesn't call, call you by your past, your failures, your weaknesses. But when he calls you by your name, he sees righteousness. He sees purity. He sees second chances. He sees hope. Some of us have listened to the lies of the enemy, and we've, we've lived with guilt that, that we weren't supposed to carry. And let me tell you something. God is calling you by name today. Here's what I know. When he calls you by name, if you will let him come and take up residence in your heart, as Ephesians says, he will change you. Say, oh, I don't know if I want to be changed. Let me tell you something. The best decision I ever made was the day that I accepted Jesus into my life. Bar none, that is the number one moment for me. Because there was a change in me. This is what I want to do. I'm not going to have you bow heads. I'm not going to do that today. This is we're gonna, it's a weird day. Pastor's weird. Go for it, right? I'm okay with that. Call me weird all you want. I, I, I love Jesus. I'll be weird for Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, if you don't know Jesus today, he is calling you by name. In this service, in this moment right here, right now, I mean, the Holy Spirit just stopped me. He's calling you by name. What you feel in your heart right now, that tugging is conviction of the Holy Spirit drawing you. Scripture says that no one comes to the, to the Father unless the Spirit woos them. And this, what you feel in your heart, that thing that you're feeling, it's like, man, what is this inside of me? That's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm calling you by name. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior today, maybe you've been like Zacchaeus. Maybe you've 
fallen short. We've all fallen short. And maybe, maybe you can't see and you want to see Jesus. And maybe you're following from afar because you're not sure how Jesus will take you. Can I tell you something? He knows your name. If you'll position your heart with childlike faith and say, hey, Jesus, I'll climb this tree if I have to, but i got to know you. This is against my title. I'm a, I'm a government worker. Here I am looking like a kid, but that's okay. If you're here today and say, hey, pastor, that's me, would you just raise your hand? I don't want to call you out. I don't, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to do that. I, I want to pray with you. I, I, I want to lead you to Christ today. He is calling your name today. So why are you taking the moment to do this? Because I think it's important. All right, don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. I'm going to tarry just a moment, just a moment longer. Don't miss your moment. Anybody in the building, anyone in the balcony, it's okay. It's all right. Listen, I had to ask Jesus into my heart one day. It's okay. You say, boy, are you trying to embarrass me? No, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Not at all. Here's the second thing. This is what I want to do. Maybe you're saved. If you didn't raise your hand, I'm just going to assume that everyone in this building is saved at this point. You've been in church in a while. You've gotten a little bit cold in your spirit. You've become one of the crowd. You're following Jesus. But maybe you're following Jesus so close that you're not allowing Zacchaeus to get close to the king. Look at this, verse 7 says this. I, I skipped over this verse. I'm going to come back to it. This is what it said. Talking about the crowd that was around Jesus, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. Talking about Jesus. He has gone to the guest of a man who is a sinner. Maybe you've been saved a long time, and see Jesus calling the sinner, and you are more concerned about who Jesus is with rather than the person that Jesus is trying to talk to. His mission is simple. Jesus' mission, he came to seek and to save the lost. And I can't help, but sometimes I've been guilty of this. I've grumbled about it. uh, But when I remember, I have to say, you know what? The Lord called me by name. I'm no better than anybody else. The Lord loves them like he loves me. The person that irritates you, the person that you can't stand, maybe your, your, your ex-spouse or someone who abused you or something, uh, whatever the case, that someone that you just can't stand. Can I tell you this? And it's not easy to understand sometimes, but Jesus loves them and he's called them by name. Maybe someone who hurt us. Maybe a co-worker who thinks differently than we do politically. And maybe it's uh, a, a know-it-all on Twitter that you can't stand. Maybe it's an IRS agent or someone that's spam calling you, right? Everyone, no one likes those people, right? Maybe it's your neighbor who's kind to you. Maybe it's your neighbor who's weird. I don't know who my weird neighbor is. It's probably me. Maybe it's your spouse. Jesus knows their name. Here's what I want to do today. I gave a call for salvation, but this is what I want to do, a call for repentance for the church. Because I think 
Sometimes we, as a church, we keep people from Jesus because we want to be close to Jesus instead of pointing them to Jesus. Say, hey, come this way to Jesus. Come this way to Jesus. What the crowd should have been doing is, hey, Zacchaeus, hey, come here, come here. I'm gonna, I want to show you Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? Thank you for your patience today. I'm just, you're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm, I need the Lord to just, he's just working on me right now. Can I tell you something? People matter to Jesus. He knows their name. He wants to take up residence in them. He wants a relationship with them, and he wants to change them forever. Just like he did you. Say, hey, Pastor.